And let's start from verse 1 of Genesis 11. It's on page 9 of your Bibles. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had the brick, uh, and they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we dis- be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning. What will they do? And nothing that they purpose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them uh, from there over the face of all the earth and they left, uh, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the, the language of all the earth and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Good morning everyone, great to be with you this morning. We're in Genesis 11, so please have your Bibles open. My name's Matt Malcolm, if I haven't met you before, g'day. I'm usually helping with North Coast and Down to Earth and Uni Church, but it's great to be with you this morning. Well, let's pray, shall we, as we have a look at God's Word. Father, we do come before you knowing that uh, we are weak, yet you are strong, that you are God of heaven and earth. And we want to praise you for who you are and what you've done for us and ask now that as we look at your living word, the Bible, please speak to us. Please open our hearts, open our minds. By your Holy Spirit, apply your word to us that we might know the truth and the truth might set us free. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, why do people try to make themselves big and God small? What's going on behind the, the thing that happens in all our hearts where humans try to centre our lives on ourselves instead of, and push God out? What's going on behind the scenes there when we make ourselves a big deal and we kind of push God off and make him a token on the sidelines, treat him as if he must fit into our life, our way? Um, In his book, When People Are Big and God Is Small, a guy called Ed Welch suggests that the one big thing that's going on behind the scenes of all that The one big thing that happens when we're trying to make ourselves big and God small is fear. 
fear of people. What will people think of me? You see, when we try and make ourselves great, what are we trying to do? We're pushing God out and trying to take control of our lives. We're reacting out of fear. Fear that we won't be in control and people will see it. But it is fear of people, isn't it? But I think it's a bit more than that. You see, it's not just fear of what will people think of me, but it's fear of the future. Will I be able to control what's going to happen to me? When I'm trying to make myself strong and able, when I'm showing myself people I've got it all together, I'm saying I have control. I'm the master of my own destiny. My life is my way, uh, my own, and I'll do it my way. Now, at this point I need to tell you a secret. And the secret is, most of you don't know this secret yet, but you're going to know it now. Tall people are very good at this. I can't see anyone who knew that secret beforehand. Maybe one or two. Tall people are very good at this. I'm an expert in that because um, I am comically large. And I remember when I was in in, uh, year five and year six, I just had these huge growth spurts. So in year seven, I was over six foot and I just kept going and going and going. And as a result, I dominated. I dominated uh, the sporting field. I dominated the classroom. Not that I was clever, but I just dominated people. And I dominated my friendship group. I kind of tried to take control. It was, my self-confidence was at an all-time high. What was I doing? I was trying to make myself big and God very small. What was behind that? Fear. Fear of what people would think of me and what's going to happen to me. And my consistent lifestyle was, I am big and God is small or not there at all. And that's what's going on in Babel. The people of Babel are trying to make themselves big and God small. If you're visiting us or you haven't been here for a few weeks, we've been working our way through the book of Genesis and we've seen that God makes everything and he makes it very good He creates humans in his own image and he gives us a responsibility to fill the earth and to rule the earth under his rule. But as we hit Genesis 3, we see it went went pear-shaped, didn't it? Humans say, no thanks, I'm going to do it my way, on my own. I'm going to set myself up as a little god of my own little universe and things go downhill from there very fast, don't they? Things go wrong. It doesn't work. Sin spreads to the whole world and we read in Genesis 3 and 4, people start dying. And it gets so bad that like we saw uh, last week, God says, I'm going to judge the whole world. I'm not going to let this keep going. He sends a flood and wipes out everything and everyone except one family, Noah and his family. And as we come to Genesis 11, what do we see? We see that the flood didn't deal with sin, did it? It didn't deal with sin. But sin can't keep going on and on. So what is God going to do? Well, Genesis 9, God blesses Noah and if you have a look there, not now, flick there later, God actually blesses Noah a la the beginning. He says, go, be fruitful and increase. And you think, that's Genesis 1 all over again. It's a kind of recreation post-flood beginning, isn't it? But unfortunately, as you read through the story of Noah after the flood, we realise 
it hasn't worked. What does Noah do? Well, he happens to find himself with some very moist and fertile ground for some reason and he plants a vineyard. What does he do? He gets drunk and it's clear that the flood hasn't dealt with sin. Genesis 10, we see, well, actually, the people are doing what God has called them to do. They're filling the earth. So we get this massive long list of of people groups and they become nations. So things are, are, are kind of going right. But here in Genesis 11, we see the character of those people filling the earth. And what do we see? We see clearly a picture of humans making themselves big and God small. So, what do we see exactly? First thing, humans seek glory and security in themselves. Have a look from Genesis 11 and verse 1. Humans seek glory and security in themselves. Verse 1. Now, the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. See what's going on? These people are trying to build a city with a tower. Why? For themselves. Come, let us build for ourselves. That word tower, that's very similar to the word great. It means massive. It means Olympic-sized, humongous tower. This isn't kind of a little, um, what's that bell tower thing we have down in Perth? You know, that little toothpick next to the river, this is massive, Olympic-sized. And did you notice where they want to build this tower up to? With its tops in the heavens. They want to reach where God is. The heavens is always where God is. So these humans want to build themselves up to the place of God. But this isn't just a normal building project, is it? Can you see what's going on behind the scenes here? It's self-glory and self-security. Let us make a name for ourselves. That is, let me get the honour, let me get the glory. That's what we're going to do. Let us, be, let us make it about us. These guys want to be at the centre of their own little worlds. But you see there's a bit more going on as well. They also want to secure their futures, don't they? What's, let's say at the end of uh, verse 4, I think it is. Yes. Lest we be dispersed over the whole earth. They don't want to get scattered, do they? They're scared of the unknown. Let's build this thing so that we don't get scattered over the face of the whole earth. So what do they do? They group together in fear of the future. It's insecurity. So they try and secure their future by huddling together and isolating themselves from God and from the world. Humans seek glory and security in themselves. Now, the funny thing is, this is our world, isn't it? You might be hearing this and thinking, Matt, what's the problem? That's normal. That's what happens. That's how life rolls. And you're right, it is the way life rolls. But it 
doesn't work. It doesn't work. Just look around at our world. It doesn't work. But actually, God tells us it doesn't work as well. James 3.16 says, For where there is selfish ambition, there will also be disorder. That is, when people try to work together for themselves, there's going to be disorder. Things don't work right. I'm a bit of a living testimony of this. You might be getting that just already. So, uh, the high point of my self-confidence, I think, was in high school. And uh, so, I hit kind of six foot six and um, could basically dunk on anyone at school. So, I thought I was very, very good. And I remember playing basketball for school and for um, a club. And this one year in the club basketball, for some reason, the managers decided to stack our team with all the good guys. Usually, there was a bunch of teams in our year group and they kind of dispersed the talent across the team so that everyone kind of got a go and there wasn't too much domination. But this year, I don't know why, but they stacked our team with all the good guys. And as a result, we just killed it. We won every game. It was embarrassing. And I remember coming up against this one team. It was the bottom side and they were very bad and very short. And we just went to town on them. Has anyone heard of the Harlem Globetrotters? That was us. We were doing all the tricks, all the crazy moves. If you know basketball, the tall guy goes in the middle in defence. Well, they didn't put me there. They put me as a guard out the front and said, be Michael Jordan. And so off I went. My lanky arms were getting steals and dunks and all this sort of stuff. And then I, I stole this one ball and I remember taking it up the floor. No one could catch me. I went up for the dunk and my ankle just went over itself and I heard a crack and as I hobbled off, the thing just went like a watermelon and that was it, I was done for a couple of years. Massive overconfidence came crashing down. That's what happens, doesn't it? We, we work through our lives thinking we're in control, even dominating in certain areas until all of a sudden, bang, crashing down. Something happens. Long periods of life. I don't even know if you've had a crash yet. Probably most of you have. But at some stage, you're going to crash down and realise, I'm not in control. I can't control my future, I can't control my present. I am not God. Humans seek glory and security in themselves, but it doesn't work. So what about you? Where do you seek glory? This is where we put the knife in a little. Where do you try and make yourself appear great? Where do you make yourself appear in control of your circumstances when you're, you're not actually great. You're not actually in control. Do you make yourself uh, sound uh, better than you actually are? Do you exaggerate how good you are at a certain thing just to make it a little bit sound a little bit better than it actually is? Do you like to talk over the top of people because your, your opinion is right? What about your reputation? Are you building a good reputation so that people think that you're, wow, that guy's clever. He's, 
he's got it all together. Well, maybe you're a quiet achiever. Maybe uh, you get self-glory in just quietly looking down on other people and thinking, I'm better than they are. I can do that. Where do you seek your own glory? And what about security? Where do you find your security? Where are you going to try and secure your life in what you do, your job, your family, your large and growing bank account? Or what about just life in general? Are you working to make things safe and secure for yourself? It doesn't work. Humans seek glory and security in themselves. And God says, no, that's not good for you. It's actually rebellion against God. So what does he do? God judges self-centred glory and security seekers. Have a look there from verse 5. Verse 5, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they have all one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from over the face of the whole earth and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was Babel, that means confusion, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the whole earth. Now, did you see the irony first up in verse 5? The Lord came down. Did you get that? Verse 4, what are they trying to do? They're trying to build a tower up to God. But God comes down to them. He comes down from the heavens and he goes, how's that going? Gee, you're trying to reach me in the heavens? Hmm, not really going to work, is it? You picture a... um, little ant, ant mound under a table at your picnic and the ants are busy, busy, busy because they know there's food in the, on the table and they're busy, busy, busy and they get this far. And then you reach down and go, hey guys, look at this little ant mound down here. Whoa! That's what God's doing. It's ridiculous, isn't it? He's reaching down and going, how's that going down there? absolutely ridiculous. And then we get this little conversation amongst the Godhead, you know, God's three persons in one, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Verse 6, the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. They have one language. This is only the beginning what they're going to do. Let's scatter and confuse them. Let's judge them. See, the problem isn't unity in itself, is it? Human unity isn't a bad thing. We unite for all sorts of good purposes. But it's what motivates and empowers the unity. That's the problem here. What's going on? These humans want uh, isolation and self-preservation. And that goes directly against God's purposes for his world. Remember what's his purposes? Fill the earth and subdue it and rule the earth under my rule. These guys are going, actually, no, we're going to... We're going to be isolated in and of ourselves and rule our own selves. You see how that's going exactly against what God has said? It's creation-threatening work. It goes totally against God's created purposes and so he judges it. 
But did you notice it's, there's some grace in there too, isn't it? There's always lots of grace in God's judgment. God could have gone, okay, flood number two. Oh, actually, no, I said I wouldn't flood. So we won't do flood the sequel. Um, let's go fire or diseases. Let's get rid of them. That's it, done. He doesn't do that, does he? What does he do? What is his judgment? It is scatter the people and confuse the people. Exactly what they are afraid of, right? Happens. God disperses them over the face of the whole land and confuses them. So what happens? They're confused about life and they're scattered, they're isolated from each other and from God. Confused about life and isolated from each other and from God. Is anyone, any things sparking up between the ears at the moment? You're thinking, that's our, that's our world right now, isn't it? That's how it works right this second. People are confused about life. You walk down the street and ask people, what's life all about? You get 10, 20 different answers. We're confused and we're isolated. Walk down the street, what do you see? Well, you see a comfy isolation chamber, one after the next, after the next, better known as houses. We go into our houses. What does the normal person do? We go into our house and after work and we stay there with our little family and then we come out again. That's what happens. Christians are a bit different because we, we hang out a bit more and there are people go and have clubs and stuff. But generally, isolation is what we enjoy. We've come to actually enjoy isolation and that leaves us with a huge problem. Because guess what? The guys that built this tower, the guys that try to make a name for themselves, the guys that are seeking glory and security in themselves, they are us. We are them. And that makes a huge problem. Rebellion and isolation go hand in hand, don't they? God knows it's bad for us. He knows it's rebellion against him and he won't let it continue forever. So what do we do? Well, that brings us to the end. And really, God begins his master plan. And it's a tale of two cities. This is where we're going to finish up today. The tale of two cities. And here's the big question I want you to ask. Which one do I belong to in the tale of two cities? In Genesis 12, God begins to gather people to himself and to rescue people. And for the rest of the Bible, we get the tale of two cities. Which one do you belong to? We've got the city of God, also known as Zion or Jerusalem. And we've got the city of humans, referred to as well as Babel or Babylon. Which one do you belong to? The city of God represents a, a life that is centred on God, focused on God, coming to God, trusting in God, relying upon Him, being forgiven by God. The city of Babel, the city of humankind, represents a lifestyle that's characterised by us. I will be the centre of my universe. I will determine my future. I am in control. I will succeed at what I do. And can you see how they're completely opposed to each other? Only two cities in the Bible represent two ways of life. And we've already seen that our world is Babel, isn't it? It's Babelish. But God comes and cracks in with his city. What does he do? 
God descends again, doesn't he? He descends, not, this time not in judgment, but in grace and love in Jesus to save us. No longer to scatter and confuse, but to gather and give understanding. God sends Jesus and what does Jesus do? He comes to gather people to God through his death on the cross. He comes to say, no, God is big and you are small, but the big God will have you. It's the difference between a microscope and a telescope. Do you know what microscope I had to work this out because I get confused on the microscope and the telescope. A microscope magnifies tiny things and makes them look big. Is that right? Yes. A microscope magnifies tiny things. You look in it, the tiny thing makes it look big. A telescope makes massive things that look tiny like stars appear as what they actually are. Is everyone with me? So it's the difference between a microscope and a telescope. Will you look at your life as through a microscope? That's what we usually do. Tiny thing appears bigger than it actually is. Or will you see God through a telescope? A thing that is massive, God, the creator and sustainer of the whole world, appears as he actually is the creator and sustainer of the whole world and then see where you fit. Here's the thing. The telescope to look through is God's son, Jesus Christ. When you see God through Jesus, you see God in all his glory. What does Jesus do? He dies on a cross to gather people to himself to get rid of Babelish sin and pride and to forgive sinners. And he says, come, come, see me as I really am. And that is the city of the living God. Only two cities in the Bible. Here's the question. Which one do you belong to? Which one characterises your life? In Acts chapter 2, we'll finish here. In Acts chapter 2, after um, Jesus has died on the cross and he's uh, been resurrected and uh, he's uh, brought forgiveness for for people, in Acts chapter 2, we see a group of people gathering together and the Holy Spirit is poured out on these people. God, by his Spirit, comes and they start speaking other languages. It says other tongues, other languages. It's actual languages. And this is what the, the group of different peoples from all sorts of places says. Acts 2 verse 11. We hear them telling in our own tongues, our own languages, the mighty works of God. You see what's going on here? At Babel, humans are scattered and confused because of sin. At Pentecost, which is a fancy word for meaning when God pours out his spirit on, on his people, At Pentecost, after Jesus has died on the cross and uh, sent his Holy Spirit, we see people gathering around the word of Jesus, the gospel, and what are they? They understand and they gathered. You see how Jesus reverses Babel. And we see it happening in the early church and we see it happening as the gospel keeps going out, the good news of Jesus. 
These disciples are united not in their self-glory and self-satisfaction, but in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, the good news. Jesus reverses Babel. So here's the kicker. Self-centred, glory-seeking humans like you and me can become God-centred, glory and security-receiving humans through Jesus. Did you get that? Self-centred, glory-seeking humans like you and me can become God-centred, glory and receiving humans through Jesus. So here's the question. Which one do you belong to? The city of humans, Babel, is trying to make a name for yourself apart from God. It's when you are trying to make yourself big and God small. And it is always under God's judgement. The city of God is people who hear God's word of Jesus Christ, trust in him and live through Jesus. People who belong to Babel don't hear the word of God. Don't respond. They live isolated and confused lives and they die not knowing where they're going. There's the choice. Humans seek glory and security in themselves. God judges that. But in Jesus Christ, God gathers us to himself and gives us understanding. Let me pray. Father, really when we hear this from your word, we are convicted that that's us. We are those people. Father, forgive us. On our own, we do seek the glory for ourselves. We do try and secure ourselves in our own right. Yet, Father, forgive our sins. Thank you that Jesus died to take away sin and so we repent now and ask for your mercy. Father, strengthen us by your spirit that gathers us to your very self through the gospel and gives us understanding. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.